on these airwaves. My name is Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk. 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS, Yosemite. Yeah, come on, Marilyn. That's for you every single Saturday on these airwaves. Tell you, folks, we've been having some problems here with the old computer. It's uh, circa 19, what is this, 80s? Is this an 80s model? I don't know. It locked up on me yesterday with uh, Roger Wood doing community conversations. So it's been a little difficult here. That's why we heard a uh, best of in the 6 a.m. hour. want to thank everybody for being understanding with that. Uh Uh-oh, let's see, where are we? Oh, there we are. Little raindrops on our head. Crystal raindrops fall. Okay, well, there's no, uh, there's ash falling maybe on your head this morning. Uh, Let's see, what is today? August 22nd, Saturday, 8 a.m. So happy to have you here with us. The end of this hour, we will be giving away our obligatory Starbucks gift card, $10. Over there to, uh, what is it, about 50 Starbucks here in town. You can choose from up and down the valley. You're going to be calling 384-3323. Or 1-800-350-3777. want to thank last week's winner, Carrie, out of Merced, for calling in the lucky fifth caller. There was a lady that called me about the census, and I did do some research on that. I don't know why they're coming back to your house if you filled it in, uh, filled out the census and sent it back. Uh, maybe there was something not filled out correctly. I would just make sure that they have the proper ID, and if, uh, if that doesn't satisfy you, just you know, don't open the door. I think, uh, you know, if you filled it out and you sent it back, uh, you've done your part. I really don't know why they're coming back to your house. I couldn't get any good answer on that. also want to thank the guests we've been replaying a couple of times uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Kevin Cookingham, candidate for District 16, Congressional District 16, going up against Jim Costa, our local farmer. You know, he shows that in the uh, ads, driving the pickup truck over there in the, uh, in the family orchard. I think that was, what, a 73, 74 Chevy he had. Had a gun rack in there, which kind of surprised me with Jimmy. Anyway, uh, Kevin Cookingham came in, discussed his positions, wrote a pretty strong letter I saw on the uh, social media this week about the Postal Service and the attacks on the Postal Service. Of course, these are specious attacks by the Democrats because they really have nothing. If you saw the virtual telethon, the convention, if you could call it that. Boy, talk about depressing. <laughs> talk about depressing. You wonder, I was waiting to hear what they're going to do about it, other than they just hate the current administration, but very, very depressing convention. It'll be interesting to see what the Republican uh, Republican Party counters with next week on the Republican convention. What will really be interesting to see if the press is as giddy as they were with some of the uh, speakers this past week. I thought they were just going to, uh, everybody's, Leg had a thrill going up there on all the major networks. Any other guest I want to thank that came on the show that we reheard at the 8 o'clock hour was, of course, our own very own Darren McDaniel, Supervisor District 3, representing uh, the city of Atwater, of course, the Castle Commerce Center, affectionately uh, known as Castle Air Force Base. He came on for the first segment last week and also again this week, as you heard in the 6 a.m. hour. Again, we had a little... Problem here with the old computer. I think we're going to need to upgrade upgrade to something uh, at the, the turn of the last century. Oh, what else is going on? You know, there's usually a city council meeting the fourth Monday of the month. Atwater has their council meetings the second and fourth Mondays of the month, which would have been the 10th and the 24th coming up. You know, this this month is a, there's a lot of Mondays. 
Five Mondays. Actually, next weekend, people, a lot of people think, oh, next weekend's Labor Day. No. Uh, one more week on top of that. So the 29th will be coming to you. It's not a holiday weekend. Uh, the first uh, Tuesday, first Monday in, uh, <laughs> what am I trying to say? The first day of September is Tuesday, and that would make the first Monday, uh, what, the 6th or something like that, the 7th. And, of course, that's a holiday. So the Merced City Council meeting will be held on the 8th of September. That'll be the next one, almost three weeks from the, the one, the marathon. The marathon they had this Monday, but Atwater, they usually have their council meetings the second and fourth Mondays, which would uh, this August would be the 10th and the 24th. Well, lo and behold, as I research for the show, as I as I do very uh, often daily, pulled up the Atwater agenda and a notice of uh, no meeting because there's no agenda items, lack of uh, lack of agenda items. Now I find this hard to believe. I don't know if there's a deal on uh, places over there in Santa Cruz. Maybe it's a three, four-day weekend for some. I, why would there not be a council meeting on Monday? I don't know, but it just says lack of uh, lack of agenda items had to be posted on the door by five o'clock yesterday afternoon. I, I think it was posted before that. So evidently everything's just hunky dory over there in Atwater. I don't know how the uh, governor's. Uh, slap on the wrist, you know, the sanctuary city, the, the, the businesses, that sort of thing, how that's going. Evidently, that's not an issue that they decided, you know, not to put the tax issue on the ballot, the sales tax increase or extension of Measure H. Uh, talked about doing an increase, actually, to 1%. They floated that in March. But again, just, again, really interesting. Nothing, nothing to talk about in Atwater. I I don't know. Maybe they're saving it all for September. I think the splash pad will be complete soon, won't it? I don't know. September 14th will be the first meeting in Atwater in September, the second Monday. So I don't know. Maybe they'll cancel that one, too. Maybe there's maybe there's just no need for a meeting. I mean, they got a balanced budget. Sanctuary City for business. Uh, you know what? Well, you got the elections coming up. And that's the other thing. I haven't heard the final candidate count. We're going to talk about a couple of candidates in this uh, segment that were uh, highlighted in the Merced County Times. Great addition this week. I'll tell you, talk about hit and miss. Sometimes wonderful, sometimes nothing but fluff. This edition, a lot of good content in there. Just an absolute amazing content. You know, and it's tough every week, putting this out week after week. They've got all of the Johns over there, John Miller, John Whitaker, John Derby. You know, I don't know, Derby may be down there uh, hoisting the mainsail, doing something. He always has the ship to shore, calling all, calling all, uh, what is his new, what is his new, uh, let me see here. Just to be fair to our favorite, our favorite editor, uh, grounded, <laughs> grounded. I don't know, is that a nautical term? Is that a, is, or is that grounding? Is that when you run up on a sandbar when you, when you're not following the, uh, the traffic lights there. Anyway, a lot was going on here in the city. As I said, the city of Merced had a four or six six hour and forty five minute marathon meeting on Monday night, all virtual. How they kept everybody awake that long, I don't know. I, I dropped out fairly uh, early on. I had a big issue on the meeting. Of course, it was highlighted here. When I say we, the neighbors and I over there on the uh, north side, over by Yosemite and McKee. Uh, there was an appeal that uh, some of us made against an apartment complex. It says designed for college students. They don't have an agreement with UC Merced or the college. 
this came up before the council and the planning commission uh, over a year ago. All right, it actually started over a year ago. The timeline here in the Merced County Times uh, is just a little bit off. It said uh, a few years ago the site was approved for commercial development as a retail site. And that's true. Back in, well, well, just to go back to the whole history of this, this is what they called the Hunt Annexation way out there on the corner of McKee. Yosemite went all the way up to Lake Road, over to Black Rascal Creek, back down to McKee. Over a square mile of, of uh, dirt out there that used to be a big farm field. There was a bunch of folks that lived along McKee, kind of some uh, mid-sized residents, I don't know, three acres or so. And it was all brought into the city back at the turn of the century, 2003-2004, called the Hunt Annexation. And the plan uh, for... The majority of it was houses, single-family residents, and you can see that now going out there. They're pretty much all built out. And in the corner of Yosemite and Lake Road, there's a power line, huge uh, high-tension wires that transverse the county, and they make kind of a triangle up there by Yosemite and Lake Road. I always called it the Golden Triangle. And there are apartments being built there right now, the Merced Station Complex. I think it's, I don't know, it's a multiple, many, many, many units, three-story buildings, two, three, and four-bedroom apartments. I don't believe there's any singles. And those are specifically set up for uh, the UC uh, students there. Of course, it's right at the end of Lake Road in Yosemite where the terminus of the bike path is. Uh, during their presentation to the council years ago, they were going to have a uh, shuttle uh, going to the university. Have, uh, they're going to make the students or whoever lives there pay for parking. They're trying to uh, make the uh, public transportation, alternate forms of transportation a little more desirable to the tenant. So that was always going to be apartments, uh, the density, I think uh, 18, 20 units per acre, residents per acre. So down here at the corner of McKee and Yosemite, this was part of the residential, existing residential homes there for many, many years, a couple of abandoned houses on the property. Over time, the owner uh, left, the property fell into disrepair. Uh, taken over by transients. Eventually, the houses were torn down a couple of years ago. The same owner uh, that made the application to rezone it to neighborhood commercial and the current proposed project, the same owner has owned this property for several years. So it was in a state of disrepair. The owner went to the council back in, I believe it was 2013, 2014, to have the property rezone from residential R6 which means six homes per acre, to CN, commercial neighborhood, or what's more fondly called neighborhood commercial. And the idea at the time was to have a oh, something like a promenade, which had just been built down the street there on Yosemite, across from the old racket club, the in-shape fitness club, you know, a mixture of retail, commercial space, but no living space, no gas station, nothing like that. No uh, objectionable businesses, liquor stores, bars, anything that would open... Uh, stay open really late, maybe uh, contribute to the noise in the neighborhood. It was just more of a, again, neighborhood commercial. I think it was a 60 or 70,000 square foot development that was proposed, uh, some small buildings. You've seen it, typical strip mall, people would call them, in Southern California. So that was in 2014. It was approved. Neighborhood was looking forward to that. Of course, the economy, as everybody knows, has been up and down and down and up since 2014, 2015, 16, 17. So nothing really happened. Then we started to see some movement in the residential market. The development behind this proposed project, Moraga, had really been sitting uh, idle 
for years after a, a start during the boom boom of 2006, seven, eight, right around there, the project got started and then fizzled until recently. The houses have pretty much been built out now. So the applicant came back on this corner project of McKee and Yosemite and in neighborhood commercial, there's a very broad interpretation that you can have residential elements in there. So they brought in the uh, heaviest density. You can have up to 36 units per acre. This is a little under six acres. So they brought a project uh, back in, I don't know, July, August of last year of 428 units. And that's where the Merced County Times article uh, leaves out that part of the project is it was originally zoned neighborhood commercial, strictly retail, commercial office space type of uses whatever fits in that category, no residential. When the residential portion was brought back, it was 428 units, which is way over 36 units per acre. And the theory was that they were only going to rent each unit, which was a seven foot wide by 30 some foot long unit, very, very narrow and long, what they call an efficiency dwelling unit, about 300 square feet total. They were only gonna rent those to one person per unit. And there was some concern at the city council, at the planning commission, with the city attorney that this would not be legal under California housing laws if you had a spouse, significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, if you rented it and then you know, acquired a relationship, you, you couldn't bring somebody in. And so that was uh, kind of uh, realized that that maybe wasn't going to work. And the project was denied, not only at the planning commission level, an appeal was made by the applicant, similar to the appeal that myself and some of the other folks made, and it uh, was uh, denied by the city council. So the project was essentially uh, dead at that point with the proposed 423 or 428 single units. I'm going to have to pick this up on the other side of the break as we're out of time for the first segment. They go quick, don't they? Appreciate you being with us here on Saturday morning. We'll cover the rest of the city council meeting. There were so many issues there. This, this was just one of them. Of course, the mural uh, on... Uh, for the Black Lives Matter folks. That was another very contentious issue. But we're out of time for this segment. We'll be back. Second segment of Citizen Watch. Stick with us. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. We'll be right back. Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, 1480 AM, KYS, yeah. Saturday morning, uh, August 22nd, 2020, so happy to have you here with a second segment of Citizen Watch. You know, let's get right into it. We were talking about the Merced City Council meeting last Monday. One of the big issues, this apartment complex was supposed to be a commercial neighborhood retail, still has some elements of that in it. But really morphed into a big apartment complex. We were going through the article in the Merced County Times this week. Does a pretty good job of giving the uh, timeline. I just was clarifying that the first proposal by the applicant after the uh, rezone of neighborhood commercial was 420 plus units, uh, one person per unit, very small units, 300 uh, square feet. They call them efficiency dwelling units. 
a little smaller than a hotel room, I think. I'm not quite sure how big a hotel room is nowadays. But these uh, particular apartments, a little over seven feet wide, uh, a little over 30 feet long, whatever 200 square feet can fit into. Every other one, as you go down the corridor, they're just lined up like shoeboxes down a corridor, common corridor. Uh, they have a balcony every other apartment or efficiency dwelling unit. The other ones don't. They just have a window at the end pocket door to go from the uh, kitchen in the multi-unit. There were all one-bedroom, 428 one-bedroom apartments is what the original proposal was. Uh, that was turned down by not only the planning commission, developer made an appeal, that was turned down by the city council. It was denied without prejudice, which means they could come back within a year. If it was denied with prejudice, they would have to wait one year. They came back uh, within a couple of months with a design that reduced the number of bedrooms from 428 to 366. Still very, very dense, uh, not a lot of commercial space, about 17, 19,000 feet of commercial space. And that's where the article picks up in the Merced County Times, and I'll read from it. When the developer changed the plans to a housing project is when the opposition began. Housing plans were developed with the help of staff last year, and the initial project was granted a conditional use permit. Well, the initial project actually was denied. The second submission was granted an initial uh, conditional use permit by the Planning Commission in January. An appeal by Steed, which is me, came shortly after, and matters eventually came before the City Council in May. Uh, Steed, who lives near the project site, has said the plan is way too dense for the location. He denies any sort of neighborhood nimbyism is, at the pl is in play in any way. The lawyer for the developer pointed out that there has been uh, six public hearings, a very robust process. Developers responded to the public concerns, modified the project, and reduced the number of units. Uh, Councilman Serrato made some good points in the comment during the council meeting. Again, this was about a two-and-a-half-hour issue. He said, we are hearing affordability concerns coming up over and over again, and the number one reason for that is the lack of apartments. It's not our fault. We have approved many, many projects, but they haven't been built yet. From a citywide standpoint, we need housing and affordable units as rents go up. And I would just uh, comment on that, that th this is not necessarily affordable housing per se. These are market rate apartments, this is whatever the uh, market will bear for this type of uh, product. There's been a lot of talk in the staff reports that the University of California would somehow take a portion of these apartments, uh, somehow uh, rent them, uh, either through some sort of an agreement. There's been some letters of uh, interest from the UC. Of course, this was before all of the COVID pandemic issues started, and I would just like to point out that the UC just finished a $1 billion uh, project where they added a lot of dormitory rooms for their students and their needs for off-campus housing. Well, they haven't entered into any agreements recently. There are some developments, like the station development at the corner of Lake and Yosemite Road, that are hoping to uh, capture some of the UC students. But uh, again, there's no agreement with that particular developer and the campus that that students will relocate there. It's kind of a market-driven thing. So when you talk about affordable housing, uh, that has to be almost uh, an, an intent by the city and by the developer to provide that, either subsidized or 
similar to what's going on at Childs and B. That that is truly an affordable housing um, project. Serato added. I'm reading from the article. Serato added that Yosemite is a natural student housing corridor, but the idea is causing friction with an older neighborhood that has been accustomed to being on the outskirts of town. Well, I don't know. The university has passed us, and that's been there for a couple of decades now, going on a couple of decades. And it's something that I, I don't know if it's an older neighborhood or just when you try to, br- try to bring in that kind of density to a little under six acres, it's uh, just a little incongruous in what the neighborhood was anticipating. Uh, most of the neighbors was neighborhood commercial, which was what was proposed and what was approved. And again, the article is correct that the opposition opposition began when the developer changed to a housing project. Uh, Anthony Martinez, who has never uh, been uh, very sympathetic to the neighbors' concerns, he's always voted for the project in any of the meetings that have come up. I'm not sure about the denial the first time at the city council meeting, but ever since then, he's been for the project. He mentioned that uh, the council approved a liquor license in his district and it was rubber stamped despite opposition from local residents. This was a gas station that was never built over there across from McDonald's on Childs Avenue over there by the new Starbucks, the Burger King, that area over there. And really the concern there, I think, was uh, more more alcohol outlets have all the transient problems around there. Of course, the bridge in Mr. Martinez's district, the Childs Avenue Bridge, has been a c- constant problem. That on-ramp there at 16th Street, I don't know if folks have seen that recently there on Yosemite Parkway. That is absolutely horrible. So the concern with that project was uh, alcohol outlets. And really, uh, on this project on McKee, that was one of the concerns when it went to neighborhood commercial. Uh, they didn't really want any kind of alcohol outlets there. But the housing was, uh, I don't think, an issue with the ARCO or the uh, gas station that was going to go on in Martinez's district. But he tried to make some uh, cons- uh, some uh, uh, some parallels with that. And I really don't know what it, what it was if he's trying to say that people don't want things in certain areas of town. I don't really think that's correct. He also added that the Grove Apartments, which was an affordable housing project in his district, also was was met with fears by residents some 20 years ago, but today remains a viable source of housing for families and has led to other developments in the area. And I think that's correct. People were concerned about the Grove Apartments because that, again, was an affordable housing project. This project at the corner of McKee and Yosemite, as proposed, is not, is not an affordable housing project. The other thing that uh, Mr. Martinez mentions is the Grove Apartments. Well, the density there is, uh, I, don't, I think, less than 24 units per acre. This is over 36 units per acre. So again, it's not the type of people. It's not who it's being rented to. It's not UC students. It's not the color of skin. It has nothing to do with that, Councilman Martinez. It is more of the density in the area, the storage of 48,000. They don't even know the quantity of sewage that'll have to be stored on site because they're only allowed to discharge 8,000 gallons a day from that particular lot. And with the uh, density, again, 366 bedrooms, when you add up all those sinks and toilets and different uh, waste receptacles, uh, 48,000 gallons of sewage, that has to be stored until it can be discharged into the system. There were some very good mitigation measures mentioned in the staff report by city staff in reference to the sewage issue. They mentioned that a gravity line could be installed from the project down to the existing gravity main at Yosemite and Parsons Avenue. That's something that uh, could be considered and would would uh, 
you know, work out those issues of, of concern about on-site sewage uh, storage, also the waste wa- the uh, storm water. It was determined that the uh, Bernasconi Park, which is also a detention basin for that whole area, was not planned to take the surface water runoff, storm water runoff from this project. So that's something that will have to be worked out. The vote ended up to be 4-2 with Mayor Mike Murphy and Councilman Fernando Echevarria voting no. Kevin Blake had to excuse himself. He's a councilman that lives in the district very close to the project. And this is one of the frustrations with um, district representation. You really want somebody that represents your district, and yet they have to recuse themselves because they're so close to the project in their own district or by their house. So that was very, very frustrating. Uh, but again, it wasn't a unanimous desti- decision. Uh, the decision also came with the stipulation that staff formalize findings for project approval with the number of apartments reduced to a maximum of 200 units, confirmation that the planned roof deck was redesigned with various projections to significantly reduce its, to significantly reduce its visibility from na- nearby neighborhoods. There's a, a party deck, a roof deck, a recreation deck, if you will, on top of one of these buildings. Uh, that's, uh, you know, three stories tall, and some of the concerns is that looks into adjoining properties. And the third uh, condition was a stretch of McKee along the borders of the project be widened to improve traffic. He goes on to say it's not clear if the developers will agree to the terms uh, after the findings are formalized and signed off by the city council at the upcoming meeting. However, on Monday night, their lawyer signaled they would be willing to reduce the number of units. They were down to 207, not quite down to the 200 that was proposed uh, by the uh, Matt, by Matt Serrato, the councilman. Criticism of the project from several residents included that there was sewage capacity issues that required the needs for special on-site pumping and holding, a likelihood of increased traffic congestion on both McKee and Yosemite along with safety issues, inadequate parking on-site, unclear projections on UC Merced growth and how the housing project will be used years in the future. Former Councilman member Michael Bawomany was also vocal in his opposition, writing an op-ed in, in the Merced County Times and coming up with the self-titled Bawomany Alternative, a proposed solution to limit the number of units per acre to 24, which is the mid-range on density. They go in like three categories, 12, 24, and 36, or for a total number of 144 apartments, which would be the 24 units per acre. He also said the project is inconsistent with the city's zoning ordinance and the state law on housing. And, and we, a lot of us feel the same way uh, with Mr. Bawomany, uh, with Mr. Councilman Echevarria and Councilman, or excuse me, Mayor Murphy, who brought up some very good points about the project, that it was five pounds of project in a two-pound bag, that it was double-dipping on both the maximum number of units uh, within the neighborhood retail Uh, really taking it to the uh, definition limits, and those limits are very unclear and open to interpretation, and that's one of the concerns that this isn't a uh, a reasonable alternative within those definitions. So anyway, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, There's still some work to be done. Obviously, uh, folks' comments are, are much appreciated as Michael Bowomany and a lot of the residents over this time. So that was one of the big issues. The other thing that was talked about for probably longer, because the comments was uh, were very, very great, was the Black Lives Matter uh, mural controversy where they wanted to put uh, the quote, Black Lives Matter 
in downtown Merced. There were several locations. They went over the locations again. Basically, one was in front of City Hall between the new UC Merced office building and the existing City Hall there on 19th or whether it be 18th Street. The other mural was actually on Main Street, uh, kind of in front of uh, the, U, the, uh, the old uh, county bank building, which is now the DA's office. Of course, across the street is the Schaefer building. That location didn't really work well because there's some crosswalks there that uh, couldn't be painted uh, over. And then the ultimate location was uh, the little Stub Street there, uh, Canal Street coming off of uh, Old Highway 99, 16th Street, Business 99, uh, I don't know if that's 400 feet either. One of the councilmen asked that question. Uh, it, it's very, very small, but that was where the final location was going to be. Of course, there was a lot of back and forth. The council com- or the uh, public comments, uh, 82 voicemails and 115 emails submitted for public comment at the meeting. Of course, it was held remotely because of the pandemic. They all had to be played. They all had to be read. It was an amazing time. I did not listen to that portion. I just I listened to part of it. Uh, but I, I mainly listened to the deliberations by the council, which was very interesting, and we'll get into that after this break. I cannot believe how quick these go. I just let this roll. This Anyway, here we are, Saturday morning, second segment of Citizen Watch. Glad you've tuned in. Let me get this into the uh, can here real quick. We'll be back after this break. Saturday morning, my name is Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. August 22nd, uh, 2020, Saturday. Kind of a weird, uh, gloomy, hazy, smoky day. I'll tell you our thoughts and prayers. Go out to all of the fire victims all around California. It's all over. It's all around us. It's going to be uh, storms next week, lightning strikes. Maybe here in this area, again, uh, very, very bad. Really goes to show you the unpreparedness, if you will, we are when these things happen. Seems to be a certain time of year. Seems to be every year now. It used to be not as often. I don't know. Maybe our memories fade. But very, very serious situation going on all around us. A lot of people losing their homes, losing uh, everything they've had. Uh, the stress of all of that, again, uh, really near and dear to me, having gone through the Detweiler fire in Mariposa, in 2017, the anniversary of which was just last month, a three-year anniversary, 17th of July, a day I will not forget that lives in infamy. And the stress that goes along with that, you know, when you see the haze here around, you know, you look through the blue haze, the smoky haze, you look up at the stars, they're orange. You realize that uh, this is very widespread. You're basically you're basically smelling people's lives, the uh, what was their life, their home, their belongings. It's just sad. It's just it's just incredibly sad. You know, the governor's made uh, requests for mutual aid from other states. Three hundred some three hundred some odd engines. Wouldn't it be nice if we had those resources here in California laying around that we can not only use for ourselves but send out for mutual aid if if they were needed? We just don't have enough. Uh, I don't know the wildlands management, grassland management. I don't know all that comes into play. Ask yourself, you know, as things are burning up, if 
things were done properly. The preparation, it's kind of like we've heard from Mark Pazin, who runs the OES up there. The time you prepare for a flood is in the dry season. The time you prepare for a fire is is in the uh, not fire season. And it seems like every year we get caught short on this. The power outage situation is another just completely disappointing uh, situation with the state of California. So this is something that we've been dealing with for, for over a decade. Everybody remember Enron and the rolling blackouts? That was a manipulation of the power market. Now, with the green energy, we're basically, uh, you know, affecting ourselves, uh, all this going green. Like I say, all energy is green. It's how much you want to pay for it. And when it's not available, well, you'd pay almost anything, especially during a heat wave and they cut your power off. I, some of the people watching the meeting the council meeting Monday night, as I said, it went uh, past midnight. That was, uh, I think, the first or second day of the rolling blackout. Some folks lost their lost their power watching the meeting. Heck, even Cox Cable quit carrying the meeting after midnight. Folks had to go to the alternative platforms, i.e. either uh, Facebook or, or the city's website, which you can catch those meetings. Let's get back into the meeting. So many things to talk about. I have a feeling the 9 o'clock hour is going to be a repeat of last week, only because... Our computer has given us problems here on loading, and we're just not going to have enough time to get a new show in for 9 o'clock. So I apologize for folks ahead of time. We will be giving away that Starbucks gift card, though, at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, the end of this segment, 384 $10 Starbucks gift card. It'll get you one cup of coffee. What the heck? You might as well try. Fifth caller, uh, if you want to call in, also 1-800-350-3777. We left off uh, with the city council meeting discussing the BLM, and they call it a controversy. I guess it was. 82 voicemails, 115 emails. Uh, it says a majority of the comments were in opposition to the project. There was an addition, a lot of back-and-forth comments in social media circles leading up to the meeting. Also, after the meeting, you go on the Sunstar website, link to the article, read, the, especially Facebook, two, 300 comments. People just really upset. Um, the bottom line, it seemed to be that all lives matter to the majority of people, and why do we need to say, why is there a need to say Black Lives Matter specifically? I know there's a lot of misunderstanding on some people's parts of that, I think on both sides, what that really means, a somewhat divisive statement. And at this time, the city council said no, uh, they're not going to go through with that. They had seven people there, two voted yes to uh, approve the mural, uh, five said no. There was also a, uh, which really didn't get a lot of discussion, a policy uh, about city art, uh, city speech. This is called government speech, if you will, and what the policy should be going forward. And I think it was, again, it wasn't the messenger. Uh, it wasn't so much the message. It was the precedent that would be set. It was the uh, painting something on a public thoroughfare, a public street that may impede with traffic safety. And again, I know these uh, arguments are specious to the folks that wanted this mural very, very badly. Very passionate, passionate arguments uh, on both sides. Uh, the folks that were pro-mural really amazed uh, me some of the arguments they used. The uh, United Way director, which again, I understand the United Way wanting to get involved in this, United Way of Merced County, but I, I would think that you would want to, to as, a, as a nonprofit trying to generate funds from the whole community, I would think that you would want to take a little bit more of a neutral position. Uh, the director got on the phone uh, along with uh, the folks uh, from the NAACP, Jerome Raspberry, uh, I believe also uh, Colton Dennis got on the phone during the public 
uh, presentation about the need for this. And Merced County Chamber, uh, excuse me, the uh, United Way of Merced County, a gentleman used to also, I, I believe, run the Merced County Chamber, uh, indicated that uh, this was a humanitarian effort. Now, I, I, uh, I don't know. I think that's the outer. I don't see how putting uh, yellow paint on the street over there on L Street Canal is a humanitarian effort. But again, very, very passionate on both sides. Colton Dennis, uh, who runs the MAC, this is the Merced Art Council, uh, Multicultural Art Center, excuse me, uh, again, a government-funded uh, agency. Very, very, uh, very, very vocal that this needed to be done. Uh, people don't understand if they say it doesn't need to be done. Again, this is a, a difference of opinion in what we do with public, public monies and public streets, because this is a public street. And to say there won't be any cost, I think, is, again, a little disingenuous because calls for service, that type of thing, uh, protests could or uh, demonstrations uh, could start at, at this location. Uh, again, I, I think that it was just too close to the election. It was too divisive of, a, uh, of, a, of, of an issue, of a statement. Uh, folks here locally tried to say, you know, the term Black Lives Matter isn't what it means, uh, which we see all over the nation, folks under the banner of Black Lives Matter talking about defunding the police, talking about the abolition of ICE, uh, doing some things uh, that are very counterproductive, I think, to the movement when they try to get people on their side. And the folks here in Merced really tried to distance themselves from the movement and tried to just focus on the statement itself, which, again, the statement is uh, can be very divisive depending on how you view it. A lot of folks, again, felt all lives should matter. And this is where it really devolved into, if you allow this statement, what what should or shouldn't you allow? So I think it was easier for the council uh, to punt on this one, to say no. I would uh, venture to ask if this came up again after the election, would, uh, one, would people want it after the election, or does it have to be done now? There's this, this exigency, this emergency, this, this, uh, this just need right now, this emotional reaction of some people that this needs to be done to prove something, and I just don't understand that. I don't understand how after you had eight years of a president, the first black president, that now, after after all of that time, this time is so urgent. And I really do think it is political. It is because of the election coming up. And I think the city council saw through it. At least five of the seven did. And while they may not have disagreed with the sentiment, it was the timing, it was the location, it was what was being asked of the residents, and they weren't going for it. They were not going for it. I think you have a small, very small, vocal group of folks that are coming to some of these meetings, and again, they're not consistent. I remember the first uh, part of May, June, when the George Floyd incident happened. Uh, you know, we're going to be here every meeting, you know, we're going to be here twice as hard next time. Never showed up, never came. It was just uh, it was a little firecracker, a little ladyfinger, a little poof, and that was it. And I, I think this situation will be the same after the election. Uh, you won't see the clamoring for putting something on the streets of Merced. And I think this will be the last time you hear and quote unquote a street mural. I don't know is is yield ahead, stop ahead, the railroad crossing. Are those murals, or is it just when it has a political statement? I don't know. Uh, th this is what uh, some of the concern was. What what will you allow? What won't you allow? Can we put, you know, MAGA 2020, Trump 2020, uh, all lives matter, unborn black lives matter? I mean, the, the city council 
uh, was getting bombarded uh, by residents on this issue, and, and I think that uh, they made the right decision. It'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I don't think I think the public arts policy was more important, and that hardly got any talk at all. The other thing before we go out of this segment, and again, don't forget, we're giving away that uh, $10 Starbucks gift card, top of the hour, 384-3323. Just a few minutes here. We only got about four or five minutes left. One of the other big things, and it didn't get a lot of play in the paper, and it should have, was the North Annexation, North Merced Annexation study. This is something they've done a couple of times. The last time they had a presentation, it was an in-person, people could still attend, and you could smell the tar, the feathers were in the air. Uh, folks were not uh, really crazy about going in to the city of Merced that live over there, say, north of Yosemite Avenue, east of G Street, that kind of area there by the university. And they had a lot of concerns, especially when they see some of the developments, some of the things coming before the council. Very concerned about their private property rights, what they can do with their property, larger lots out there, that sort of thing. A lot of open, vacant land owned by a lot of people that want to develop that land for the university, business parks, apartment complexes, shopping centers, R&D, research and design, all kinds of things they want to do out there. So there, uh, this North Merced annexation study was on the council's agenda. Again, a long meeting, folks, six hours, and it didn't get a lot of play in the press, but this is what came out of it. They're going to do what they call leapfrog annexation. They realize that the folks over there on the Dunn Road area, the Cardella Road, uh, some of those residential folks in Bellevue don't want to go in. They, uh, I think, anticipate a problem with LAFCO. So Adam Gray, our own assemblyman, has proposed legislation to annex the city, or excuse me, the University of California and some land just south of that, a one-time annexation, a one-time out-of-boundary annexation, uh, just this once, pretty please, in some legislation up there in Sacramento. It's an assembly bill. The City staff wanted council to sign a letter in support of this uh, so that Adam Gray could show his cohorts up there, hey, we need this. You know, forget Gavin's law when a teacher gets killed by a drunk driver. We can't get that across the finish line, but hey, this annexation, I think we can make it. So the council agreed to sign the letter, but if that doesn't go through, then they would have to agree to what they call out-of-boundary service agreements, where they supply sewer and water to folks that live out of the boundaries of the city, which we're doing now in a lot of cases. We do uh, that sometimes, uh, so when we do annex you, you won't give us any any grief. So we'll give you water now, but when it comes time to bring the property in, don't give us any any problem. We're kind of doing that with the university now because we're supplying uh, them water and a sewer. I know we're supplying sewer. I'm not sure about water. I believe water, too. Anyway, uh, this legislation before the assembly would uh, kind of bypass all those folks that don't want to come into the city, get that land into the city. But here's the rub. The university has to come in first. Well, you know, the university has costs. You know, we, we, we have to uh, come up with an agreement, a revenue sharing agreement, what it's going to cost to bring fire service, that sort of thing out there, which we do now, uh, but to, to officially bring them into the city. And then the land called the Virginia Smith Trust, which is owned by MCOE, that's what they really are trying to get into the city so they can develop some more commercial property south of the university over there to uh, fit their needs, development needs. And that, of course, is owned by MCOE, which seems to be on a buying spree here the last couple of years, everything they can get their hands on. But anyway, i tell you the time, just goes, goes, goes. But that was a really interesting, uh, really interesting uh, conversation. The North Merced annexation study, a lot of concerns by the council, especially the mayor, uh, about going down the road of out-of-bound service agreements. So we need to be careful about that. We really should annex in a normal checkerboard, you know, uh, not jump the checkers, you know, square to square to square. Uh, to incorporate what we need in Merced. The big deal that nobody's talking about 
or they need to talk about more is the sewer water master plan. Where is it? We're using our capacity. We don't have the room. It's just, it's just uh, really, really bad that way. I think we need to uh, get that sewer water storm drain master plan done so that we can uh, make some uh, good decisions about how we're going to finance these annexations. Paying the way. Developers need to pay the way, folks. We're out of time. Citizen Watch, I'll tell you, it goes quick Saturday morning. Apologize for the 9 o'clock hour. It's going to be a repeat. We just don't have time. The computer's been screwing up. But we are going to give away that $10 gift card to the fifth caller, 384-3323 or 1-800-350-3777. Thank you for listening to Citizen Watch. Stick in, stick with us next week. We'll cover all the things we didn't cover this week. So many things. Bye-bye, folks. Oh,